We continue in our series through the Gospel of John, the fourth book of the New Testament, one of four uh, eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, if you're not familiar with it. Today's message, an audacious claim, a most audacious claim. Two weeks ago, Pastor Charity, our children and family pastor, spoke on the first 16 verses of this same chapter, John 5, about Jesus healing on the Sabbath, culminating with verse 16 with the expression that the religious leaders wanted to kill him, kill Jesus, because he dared to help someone on the Sabbath. I mean, that's just hard for us to to believe, but it ticked the Jewish religious leaders off that much. And according to their law, death was the penalty for work on the Sabbath, for doing work on the Sabbath. Fortunately, Jesus was not bound by the Jewish law, but was motivated by grace. And so we pick up, continuing this uh, narrative in John chapter 5, verses 17 to 30. If you don't have a Bible, let me know. I'll get you one. This, uh, if you don't have a Bible, the uh, verses are on the screen. Reading from the New Living Translation, our passage today is a fairly lengthy one, so follow along. But Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, for he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the father judges no one. Instead, he has given the son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the son just as they honor the father. Anyone who does not honor the son is certainly not honoring the father who sent him. And again, Jesus is speaking this and you could just sense the the, the anger brewing in, in the hearts and minds of the Jewish religious leaders. Verse 24, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God. And those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear, my, uh, hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of of the one who sent me, not my own will. Wow, there's a lot there. And we'll touch on what we have time for. Father, we pray that you, by your Spirit, would open your word to our hearts. And again, we pray that our hearts and minds would be open to your word today. In Jesus' name. A most audacious claim. 
people have made all kinds of claims over the years, and you've heard them, maybe you've said them, and uh, uh, some in the category of audacious, others in the category of ludicrous in various arenas of life, but certainly, uh, as an example, in the, in the area of advertising. An athletic, many years ago, an athletic shoemaker said that its shoe would help wearers of that shoe burn calories, <laughs> though the Shoe was never proven to be any better at helping to burn calories than any other shoe. And that particular shoe company settled a class action lawsuit back in 2012 for $2.3 million about that claim. Here's another one dating back quite a few years. Some of you remember Pop-Tarts, a good source of eight vitamins and minerals. (laughs) Really? Is there anything that resembles food on that label? Well, in some cases, claims have been ludicrous until they weren't. Like the Wright brothers who said they would design a vehicle that would fly. And at the time, it was like, yeah, right. Good luck with that. Well, that audacious claim was not so crazy after all. And I see Jack and Otis here, two pilots, and thank them for your work, I'm sure, every day. These crazy guys that thought they could design a vehicle that would fly. Well, to the Jews in John 5, a most audacious claim to them because of their unbelief was Jesus' claim to be equal with God. Today, there are many who still do not believe that Jesus is God. Many of these same people would, would, would say things like, well, Jesus, he's a great person. He's a unique person even. Oh, and, and he's a good teacher. But God? No. Professor Vodi Bakum says this, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists love Jesus. They're happy with Jesus as long as he's just a teacher who offers sage wisdom. But the minute you step across that line and argue that Jesus is more than prophet, more than teacher, that he's actually God incarnate, or just that means God in human flesh, Bauckham says, God with us, suddenly those who were, were more than willing to gather with you scatter the minute you make that claim. Our passage from John today contains the words of Jesus as he highlights three specific ways that he is equal with God. We're looking at them very briefly, verse 17 and 18. He said he's equal with God in nature. Now, just to clarify, the word nature here is not, as I'm sure you know, but uh, not a reference to getting out and enjoying the mountains or walking, uh, you know, a nice trail and observing the beauty of God's creation. Nature. No. It's a reference uh, to his, to the essence of who God is, his, his nature. In other words, deity. Our nature Human, humanity, human, we're, we're, are, we have a human nature, God's nature or God's essence, deity. And that's what Jesus was claiming for himself. Remember, verse 16 says that the Jewish leaders began to persecute Jesus because he had healed on the Sabbath. How terrible. 
<laughs> they considered it, again, they considered it work, and that wasn't allowed. And it, it goes here a big step further in verse 18 to the point where the Jewish leaders wanted to kill Jesus even more. Why? Because he called God his Father, and they clearly knew what he meant by that phrase. He was claiming the nature of deity for himself. And that's an, an audacious claim, isn't it? One definition of the word audacious that I read is this. Bold, but not just bold. Surprisingly bold and not vulnerable to intimidation or fear. Jesus was not intimidated by the Jewish leaders. He knew they would disagree with him. He knew that he, they would be angry with him. But he still spoke the truth and wanted to speak the truth about, about who he was. John writes numerous times about Jesus being God in his, various, in his nature in, uh, in John's gospel. I mean, read, read the last few verses of John chapter 8 as a prime example. John knows this truth that Jesus is God is an important truth. He knows that it's required, actually, for our eternal salvation. It is to be, to be valid, for our eternal salvation to be valid. Because if, and again, you, if you've been around Eagle Mon for any length of time, you've heard me say this before. This is just such a crucial doctrine that is easy to, uh, to, uh, to, to kind of slip away from. And so we need to be reminded of it regularly. But the fact that Jesus is God is vital and non-negotiable regarding our eternal salvation. Because if he's not God... He cannot be our Savior because He's not the perfect, holy sacrifice for our sin that God the Father requires. In William Barclay's commentary, he writes this. When we read this passage, we must try to think outside of ourselves and think back to the first century Jewish mind. The Jewish religious leaders had a background of thought and ideas, of theology and belief, of literature and religion, which is very far from our background. And to understand a passage like this, we must try to sink ourselves into the mind of a Jew who listened to what Jesus was saying for the first time. Hard to do, but yeah, it's good advice. Jesus made this bold claim that he knew, again, he knew would tick the Jewish religious leaders off. Uh, the, the, the online Cambridge Dictionary defines the word audacious this way, showing a willingness to take risk or offend people. Yep, Jesus did that. And, and still, does that today. Many, many were offended when he first claimed deity for, for himself, and many today still are, to the point they refuse to believe it. As a side note, well, that's really not a, not a side note, um, the Holy Spirit has the same nature as, as the Father and as the Son. It's the biblical doctrine of the Trinity that we won't have, don't have time to, to, to unpack at all. But it's, in a nutshell, one God, three persons, beyond my human finite ability to understand, yes. And that's okay, because if I fully comprehended, God wouldn't be God, I believe. The Holy Spirit 
is how he is referred to in the scriptures because that's his title. Just like we say the Father, just like we say the Son, it's, it's who they are. And all three, including the Holy Spirit, are co-equal. All persons of the Godhead, persons of the Trinity, all of them existing from eternity past, never created. I mean, this, we can't wrap our minds around that, can we? There was never a point in time when they came into existence, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, because they've just always been mind-boggling to us, but it's a, it's a characteristic of God. And Jesus clearly claimed that nature and that characteristic for himself. Again, the Jews understood what he was saying. That's why they got so ticked off, not only here, but in other passages as well. John 8 last few verses. Great example. So, Jesus secondly expressed that he is also equal with God uh, in nature, first of all, and then in power. Verses 19 to 21, Jesus talks in these verses about uh, seeing what the Father does and doing the same. Whatever the Father does, the Son does. Verse 19, the last part of verse 19. Uh, Not surprising since they are both God. And then he gives an example to back up this claim of, of being equal with God in power, an action that only God can do, and that is give life, give life. Verse 21, just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. Giving life is most definitely something only God can do because as God, he possesses life in and of himself and he can give that life to anyone he wants in any way he wants. And we see Jesus do that, don't we, in the Gospels. The Jews knew that this this power to give life and to raise the dead belonged only to God. And they actually knew this from their Old Testament scriptures. Uh, just a couple of several examples. Deuteronomy 32. It says, there is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. The Jews believed that about God. Who to them was only the Father, right? I mean, we understand that, but... But still, they, they believe this about God. And 1 Samuel, chapter two, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, the Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Jews believe this. And Jesus knew, again, that making a claim like this would be uh, the worst form of blasphemy in the ears of the Jewish leaders and would cause them to want to bring about his death according to, again, their, their law for the sin of blasphemy. And he also knew that anyone who heard him speak about, uh, about this would have two choices to make. Either believe he was God, the Son, or that he was a, a blasphemer. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't merely claim to give life, did, it? did he? If we, know, if we know the story of his life, he showed that power uh, by raising Lazarus from the dead in John 11. And by the power of God coming back to life himself. Thirdly, Jesus claimed to be equal with God in authority. God's written word confirms his authority over everything and everyone, which is why the Bible is so often, and you you see it, you know it, so often under attack. There's There's a spiritual reality why over the centuries this has been the case, whether in places with dictators, 
where the lives of Bible-loving Christ followers were at risk or are at risk when, you know, when, when they try to smuggle Bibles into their oppressed country, like was the case for many years behind the Iron Curtain at the time, or today in places like China, or even, even the attack. And I believe that's an appropriate word. Even the attack that we're beginning to see in our own country on some Bible teachings that are at risk of being labeled as hate speech, and maybe already have been, specifically in the area of how God defines sexuality and his design for sex in the context of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman as he established it in his original and perfect creation. Hello. But it's, it, it's, un, it, it's under attack. And I, I believe we'll continue to be. And we need to be prepared for that. Friends, please hear this. No, no matter what the topic is, no matter what the topic of discussion is, we cannot and we must not edit the Bible to fit an ever-changing culture. Amen. We must not. We must choose to stand solidly on what God has declared in his written word as his best way for us to live, no matter what culture says about anything. Because the God, small g, of this culture is not God the Son. He's not. According to persecution.org, the Chinese communist government is rewriting portions of the Bible in an effort to increase its control over religion in that country. An example from the Gospel of John of this is when Jesus was talking to the woman caught in adultery and after he told the Pharisees, the religious leaders, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Early verses of John 8. And they all, many of you know the story, eventually they all walk away because they know they are not without sin. And then Jesus says to this broken woman, he, he says in, in the scripture, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. He brought her freedom in his grace, but still wanted her to live as God designed her to live. So he said, go and sin no more. He again shows grace to her where, where the Jewish law would require the death penalty. Well, according to the Communist Party rewriting this story, the adulterous woman is changed to a political uh, dissident who is challenging the authority of the state. And, and this passage is rewritten to end with Jesus himself stoning the woman to death. It's tragic. But it's not surprising that the Word of God would be under attack. Because it reminds us and teaches us that there's an authority that is the authority above me, above you. But he's not a domineering, harsh. No, he's gracious and all loving and all wise and has your best interests at heart and wants you to spend eternity with him and died to make that happen. Why wouldn't we want to surrender to someone like that, our creator? You might be in the, at, the, at the point of making a decision like that that you've never made before. 
Act on it today. Today's your day. The Bible is a written expression of God's authority. Again, so it's not surprising that it's under attack in our world. And back to Jesus' words, John 5, 22 makes it clear the Father has given Jesus absolute authority to judge. Verse 25, speaking with confidence that comes with being God, Jesus says, I assure you that the time is coming when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who, will, who listen will live. He, he has authority, rightful authority to judge our lives and even to grant us life. And that includes the power to bring us um, Life, spiritually speaking, which so many of us are privileged to have by our uh, surrender to Christ and receiving His grace. Verse 27, once again, reiterates that God the Father has given Him, God the Son, authority to judge everyone because He is, the term there, the Son of Man, we may easily miss the significance of this particular term. Uh, certainly a reference in, in the gospel, son of God, son of man, his human nature, God coming in human flesh, son of God, his deity, yes. But the son of man is also a title that Jesus used of himself, but, but the Jews knew exactly what Jesus was claiming when he used that term. It was, it, it was used about 12 times in the Gospel of John, close to 100 times in the four Gospels. The term came out of the Old Testament Scripture, Daniel 7.13, where in the prophet Daniel's vision, he described what he saw. And Daniel wrote, Behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. To the Jews, the Son of Man title was a direct and unquestionable reference to the one chosen to bring deliverance, specifically the Messiah. And the New Testament writers knew this one to be Jesus, God the Son. I want to make a brief comment that's all I have time for. About verse 29, those who, have, those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Now, at, at first glance, that phrase, that sentence may appear to contradict the overall message of the Bible that we are eternally saved by grace, and that's a message we are 100% convinced of biblically. We do not work to earn our salvation. I'm so grateful for that because I couldn't do enough. Right? So at, at first glance, this verse is like, hmm, what? Well, there's a, there's a hermeneutical principle. And hermeneutics is, as you know, probably the, simply the study of uh, the methods and, and principles of interpretation of, of Scripture. And one of the key principles for properly interpreting Scripture is that a verse must be interpreted in light of the context and then in light of what the whole of the Bible says about that topic. So you're interpreting uh, various phrases in light of other phrases. So relative to verse 29, the message of the Bible when we look at it holistically is that we don't receive the gift of eternal life nor entrance into heaven by how hard we work. But rather our good works... That are, that are important, our, our good works uh, simply, simply prove that our faith is genuine. They, 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 they prove the genuineness of our relationship with God, and that's what is being referenced here, and that's what makes eternal life with God possible. So, just before we conclude by listening to a song together, and 
If you know me at all, you know the song is from the 70s, so it's going to be awesome. Not even joking. Um, but just before we listen to a, a song together, I, I do want to reference several other verses in the Gospel of John that are a part of this audacious claim of Jesus to possess the nature of deity, um, uh, again, of, of being God. And I, I didn't put these on the screen for some reason, but if you want this list of seven or whatever it is, uh, you can just let me know. Je you know... Yeah, because people will sometimes say, well, Jesus didn't claim to be God. People misunderstood him. Oh, oh no, <laughs> you're misunderstood, if that's what you think. Uh, so, that, that he is the Messiah, chapter 4, 25, 26. Uh, that Jesus is the only way to receive eternal salvation, John 5, John 6, John 8, references there. That Moses wrote of him in the Old Testament scripture, John 5. Uh, that he uh, knew, that Jesus knew Abraham a few years prior, right? Uh, that, that Jesus knew Abraham, and Jesus claimed, I knew Abraham. He knew Abraham and that he pre-existed before the physical birth, his physical birth in Bethlehem. John 8, the last few verses of John 8 that I referenced already. Uh, that Jesus came from heaven, John 8, 42. And that Jesus is the only access to God, John 14, 6. Where he said, as many of you know, no one gets to the Father. No one gets to heaven except through me. Another audacious claim. But his life backs it up. If you've risen from the dead, you got the credentials in my thinking to make a claim like that. And by the way, the evidence for the resurrection is huge. Truly is. So, so read these passages, honestly, my friend, and then, and then try to tell me that Jesus is not God or that he himself didn't claim to be God. I think you'll have a tough time doing that. And if he is God, then it is completely appropriate and necessary that we submit our lives to him, our hearts, our minds, everything, our future, our eternity. That's, that's, that's the only response that makes any sense. And those who receive the new life, eternal life that Jesus offers, they're not just, they're not just receiving a, you know, a new spiritual experience. They're, they're, they're passing, as we read earlier, from death to life. It's pretty big stuff. It's pretty big. Because what we need is a resurrection from the state of spiritual deadness, which is just complete disconnectedness from our Creator. We're born that way because of the sinful choice of our first human parents. And that's, again, another, another discussion. But Pastor N.T. Wright says, the miracle of resurrection that only Jesus can give happens inside us. It's talking spiritually there, right? So, so that when we die physically, that event, the physical death, will be irrelevant to the new life we already possess. The physical death in no way squelches or, or wipes out the spiritual death. If it, no, the physical death brings us into a, a, a more keen awareness of what the spiritual life 
was that I had within my heart when I lived on earth. But then I died physically. That's kind of a, oh, why, why, why are we going down that path at the end? We're supposed to be landing the plane here, right? Sorry. That's just, that's phenomenal stuff though. It's eternal stuff. I want to conclude, as I, as I said, this listening to a song and, and the message of what, what, I, what I feel is a, is a powerful song and have known this song for many years by Christian artist Phil Keggy. Um, I, I just want to ask you to open your heart in these moments, to, to open your mind to some of the, the, the statements that he makes. The creator of the universe came and died on a cross for you and I so we could be with our God, our Creator, our Heavenly Father, forever. Play that song. Thanks.
you know, if you know Christ as the forgiver of your sin, leader of your life, and you're walking as a follower of Christ, I, I hope those truths cause thanksgiving to arise in your heart. If you've never surrendered your life to God, this could be your day to change the trajectory of your eternity. Doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away. Don't misunderstand. You still live in a broken world. But the maker, the maker of the universe, of everything we see and everything we can't see. Grew the tree, created the hill on which that cross stood. What was the other one? The, 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 the tree that grew the bough from which the thorns came that were used to, to pierce his brow on the cross, the Bible says. It's part of the suffering that he endured for us. It's mind-blowing. The creator, the creator who has every right to say, I'm not doing that. You guys screwed up. You're on your own. He's got every right to say that. But he didn't. He loves you. Bow your heads. Close your eyes in these moments. Just nothing spooky or magical about that. It's just an opportunity to focus. To, to look inward and say, maybe, maybe, maybe for you, it's, I've, been, I've been a Christ follower for many years. And I just, I just, in these moments, thank you again, God, for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you. For coming to the cross and dying and being raised from the dead by God's power to prove you could be uh, the, the, the victor over the sin and death in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But maybe there's some here who today you want to say, I want Christ in my life. I want to surrender to him. I want to follow him. I don't understand it all, but I know he loves me so much that he died for me and took upon himself the, the just penalty for sin that I deserve, that we all deserve. Took it upon himself. Thank you, God, for that. I surrender my life to you in these moments today. Help me to follow you all the days of my life and into eternity in your heaven. Whether in this place today or engaging online, there's a, there's a place, there's a QR code you can, uh, you, you, you can uh, scan and, uh, 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 online. You can go to eaglemont.info and, and fill out the I'm new card to let us know you made that decision because we want to just, we want to uh, celebrate with you. We want to be happy with you for that awesome decision. And, and help you as you put down roots in Christ. Um, but if you're in this, in this room right now, and, well, you are. I see you. You're in this room right now. Um, but if you've never committed your life to Christ and you want to in this moment, would you just look my way and indicate by quickly raising up your hand, and I just want to include you in a prayer. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you in any way. But in, in, the, the Word of God says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, Lord Jesus, uh, we will be saved. Believe that He rose from the dead. We will be saved. Romans 10, 9, and 10. You can read it and you get the actual version of what it says there. It's about confessing, expressing what I'm choosing to believe in my heart. That it 
the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness. God's redemption of my life is there for me to receive simply by faith. And if you want to do that today, I'm going to pause and just give you that opportunity to look my way and raise your hand as we close today. Anybody at all? God, you know every heart, every person, every thought right now in our minds, in in this room, and, and those engaging online. You know us better than we know ourselves. And so, God, I pray if there are any who have not made their peace with you, who are not in relationship with their Creator right now through trusting Christ, I pray, God, you would reveal the truth of what that really means to them. Make yourself known in your own divine and creative ways to individuals that are uh, in, a, in a place maybe of, of, of deciding on, on making a decision like that. May they reach out and receive your grace, and your forgiveness, and may they surrender to you. And Lord, for so many of us who who know you as our creator and our desire is to follow and serve you. God, we're just reminded again today of how great your gift of grace was and is to us in the person of God the Son, Jesus, coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.